Our family, when they were younger, never traveled by train, so one year we decided we were going to take the Amtrak to Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is kind of a, a miscommunication because actually the train doesn't stop in Hot Springs, Arkansas. It stops 25 miles away in a little place called Malvern, Arkansas. And it's kind of a, a you were thinking maybe, you know, that, that picturesque thing of pulling into a train station, you know, and having the, 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 the guy with the little hat, with the little lantern, you know, kind of thing, which is what we were kind of thinking. And it turns out in Malvern, Arkansas, it's a bombed out World War II bomb shelter. Uh, that's only four walls, two fluorescent lights, and one of them not burning. And uh, it was two o'clock in the morning and we felt very, very vulnerable. Uh, because the train station actually is on the bad side of town. It was all as part of an unexpected journey, uh, we, but one in which we shared some adventures, met some incredibly generous people uh, who made the trip wonderful for us, and we made, it, uh, we made it home all in one piece. I tell you all that to tell you that much like that unexpected journey, there is a person in Acts chapter 6 that I want us to look at together, and his name is Philip. He's known by many as Philip the Evangelist. And in Acts, he too has an unexpected journey. I want us to share that journey with him in our own lives today as we leave this place. We're looking, this is the second week we're doing this, looking at having confidence in my Christianity. In other words, I want to go out from here and I want to do something on purpose that I know God likes. And in looking at that, I would like to see ourselves as Philip who has the courage and assurance to walk in an unexpected journey that he doesn't anticipate as a part of the things that we do for love. There are four things about Philip in the book of Acts that we can be. First of all, in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, we meet Philip and he was caring. That's one of the things you need to write down somewhere in the margins. He was caring. We meet him there when an early church has an age-old problem. Some people in the church were being neglected and began to complain, Acts chapter 6 and verse 1 tells us. Philip is a man among a select group uh, who was of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty, it says. And he was a part of the solution then and not a part of the problem. He saw the need. He accepted the challenge and actually did something to help the church continue to grow instead of complain. He was for all the world like his Lord Jesus. We read in Matthew chapter 12, verses 18 through 20. It is said of Jesus, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. I see in Jesus, I see Jesus in Philip, right? He was bringing to the Gentiles justice. He was helping people. He wouldn't let a bruised reed or a smoldering wick go un, 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 unattended, if you will. And so he began to show people what Jesus looks like. From that appointment on, Philip ensures the weak are cared for, the church is protected while walking in the presence of God. Later in the book of Acts, just in different places where you're meeting, uh, you're going to notice that he gives hospitality to the Apostle Paul, that he has four daughters, that he acts like a Christian before the word was ever even coined. 
Secondly, in Acts chapter 8, if you'll just turn a couple of pages over. In Acts chapter 8, Philip was fearless. He was fearless. We're introduced in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1 to the word persecution. And Philip leaves Jerusalem under that persecution and ends up in Samaria. Now, this is not a vacation spot. Right? It's not like we're going to take the... Uh, he takes the gospel to uh, the Bahamas. Well, wait a minute. He can't take it there. Uh, it's not there anymore. Um, we pray for them because of all that they've suffered. But the idea is that this is, this is something where Philip is actually going into enemy territory. Think of the parable that Jesus tells about caring for your neighbor in Luke chapter 10. He uses an oxymoron, the good Samaritan. The sting is palpable to Jesus' audience. These are the people who were different. These are the people who tried to stop the rebuilding of their temple in Jerusalem's walls in Nehemiah's time. However, it's there that Philip goes. It's an unexpected journey. He goes where others pass by, sharing the power of the resurrected Jesus, telling the gospel of salvation in 8 and verse 12. So he tells it so convincingly that the people believed and were baptized. And so in a city there in Samaria where powers of evil and disease had captured the attention of many, they were filled with joy and healing when Philip preached to them Jesus Christ with power. Philip was caring. Philip was fearless. But he was also patient as you look down at chapter 8 and verse 26. Philip was patient. After the unexpected journey from providing tables of food for neglected widows, to traveling over in an unexpected place where he uh, faces down shrieking spirits and encounters joyful believers in a place known to be unaccepting of his own people, Philip is told by the Lord to go to a desert road. Complaints to combats to, to a crossroads. And here he meets a treasurer from a distant kingdom, a eunuch from Ethiopia who is reading the word of God and struggling with it. He is a man on a journey as well, both physically and spiritually. They're both physically moving, spiritually seeking. And Philip simply asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He shares the walk. Literally, Philip goes up to the chariot and as they are going, he says, do you understand what they're reading? He says, and then the eunuch invited him into the chariot. So for a while there, they're just walking along together. And then he says, he begins to explain to him Jesus. He's patient. He's patient. He sees a moment in an unexpected journey where he knows that God has opened the door and he needs to, to share the walk with somebody to help them understand better. But for all the world that Philip was caring and fearless and he was patient, Philip was pointed what I mean by that is this, for all the sharing of the walk and the explaining, Philip has the big conversation. He wants to tell the man about Jesus. That's why he's here. He's not a tour guide. He's not a biblical guru. He's been sent to bring this man to Jesus, to take him from where he is to Jesus. The Ethiopian gets it. And in Acts chapter 80, verse 36, he says... Obviously, in response to what Philip is saying, look, here, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And it says, and then he and Philip went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And he came up out of the water and went on his way rejoicing. I love that, that joy is a word 
that follows Philip around. You'll notice earlier in Acts chapter 8, when he goes to Samaria, it says there was great joy in the city because they believed and were baptized. It, you know, when, when you meet the needs of neglected widows, guess what happens? Well, joy is, is a result of it. So if Barnabas is the son of encouragement, Philip, to me, is the person of joy. Okay? He, when, when he leaves a place, people are kind of going, man, I'm glad that guy came. I needed to hear that. I needed to know Jesus in that way. He wanted people to believe. He wanted, to hear, he wanted them to, to hear and believe in Jesus Christ. He wanted them to be immersed into Jesus Christ. He was confident in the love of Jesus Christ personally. And he wanted to bring that to others. And he wanted to bring them to Jesus. Nicky McDonald observes, Connected to God in love, open to sharing that love with others, Philip has a most unexpected journey. In love, he sees Samaritans not as enemies, but as friends he has not yet met. In love, he sees the Ethiopian not as someone who is a stranger, but as someone beloved of God who needs to know the truth and let it set him free. And so he speaks the truth in love. Connected and living within the perfect love of God, Philip trusts in God enough to have no fear. And here's my point. If you will, turn over to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. Here's the verse that you need to underline for this week. If I'm going to be like Philip in any way, caring and, and, and fearless and patient and pointed, then I need to I look at 1 John 4 and verse 18. And here's what it says. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. When you flip that out around for just a moment, if love casts out fear, then what does fear do? It casts out love. If we're going to talk about the things we do for love in, in response to Jesus Christ, then there are some things that we do from fear that literally shut the door of love in the face of some people. Let me give you some examples. Fear builds walls. Fear withdraws, barricades itself in. Fear finds a scapegoat in anyone who is different. It judges unjustly. It sees enemies where there are none. It dehumanizes another person in order to justify shocking behavior. Fear disconnects. It loses sight of God. It loses sight of those created in the image of God. It sees only the bad and not the promise or the potential. It loses sight of hope. Philip didn't do things for fear. He did them for love. Perfect love casts out fear. We need, like Philip, to love. To love enough to care, to love enough to be pointed, to be patient, to be fearless. Perfect love casts out fear. What are the things then we could do for love? Love builds bridges, not walls. It builds people up, it doesn't tear them down. 
Love looks for points of connection. Love looks outward in open-handed, open-hearted ways. It's open to those unexpected journeys to people that we'll meet with and in surprising conversations where all of a sudden Jesus just pops up into the conversation and we are there and we are ready to run with that, to take them to Jesus so that they could understand. Love is welcoming and finds a way forward. Sometimes on old pathways, sometimes on new. Love sees God's image in someone else. For love sees God. For love is of God. For God is love. And we love because we first loved us. And since He first loved us, then ought we not to do the things for love and let it cast out our fear. If we take anything from this tale of Philip and his unexpected journeys, from wherever he came from to, to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Samaria, Samaria to a desert road, and then on, on, onward from there, let it be this. Let the love of Christ continue to build within you a sense of wonder, a sense of possibilities, a sense that we are not withered, dying branches separated from the vine who is our Savior but rather that we are connected to the vine. That we have the lifeblood of the sacrificed Savior running through our souls. And if we are open to hearing what He would have us to do, He will take us down some unexpected paths, some unexpected journeys. Where hopefully, hopefully, we'll be remembered as people who brought joy to someone's life. Sheena Pugh wrote this poem. It's called Sometimes. And I'd like for it to kind of draw our time to close. Sometimes things don't go after all from bad to worse. Some years the muscadel grape faces down the frost. Green thrives. The crops don't fail. Sometimes a man aims high and all goes well. A people sometimes will step back from war, elect an honest man, decide they care enough that they can't leave some stranger poor. Some men become what they were born for. Sometimes our best efforts do not go amiss. Sometimes we do as meant to. The sun will sometimes melt a field of sorrow that seemed hard frozen. May it happen for you. We live in uncertain times. So did Philip and the early followers of Jesus. Choose this day as 21st century followers of our Lord, whether to cast out love or to cast out fear. I beseech you, encourage you, exhort you, warn you to do the latter. To cast out fear by choosing love. But if you choose to cast out fear and to go into the world to share the gospel of God's love, prepare for unexpected journeys. Prepare for those surprising conversations that bubble with joy as you share the confidence of your Christianity. That is what we were created to do. 
Ephesians 2 and verse 10, Paul says, We are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. May He have His work in you. Today, we invite you to be a part of that work. God doing inside of you, if you are willing to let Him. Your faith repenting, your faith embracing grace, your faith being baptized in Jesus Christ for Him to forgive your sin so that He can cast out sin so that you can cast out the fear of sin and death. And we are here because some of us, having made all of that profession, confession, have experienced for lack of a better word, a failure. We have begun to fear. We fear things we cannot control. We fear things that we cannot change. We fear so many things. And we call ourselves Christians. Let's change that. Let's bow together. And ask God to forgive us the sin of the fear that immobilizes us. And may we pray that His love ignite within us a desire to go out and share Jesus with the world around us. You need to answer God's invitation this morning. Whether to be baptized or to ask for prayer, we can help you in some way that you would like to come and make known by coming to the front row. We would appreciate you doing that and the privilege to share in that. But if where you are, you need to make some decisions about somebody you need to talk to, somebody you need to study with, somebody that you would like to, to seek out for questions, for answers to your questions, do that as well. And we'll give you that opportunity now as together we stand and as we sing. Thank you.